You're listening to the winning literary show, Off the Shelf Books Talk Radio, live with host Denise Turney, author of the books Long Walk Up, Portia, Love Pour Over Me, Spiral, Love Has Many Faces, and Rosetta's Great Hope. Turn up your dial and get ready for a blast of feature author interviews, 411 on book festivals, writing conferences, and so much more. Ready? Let's go. Good morning, good morning out there in Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Rainbow Soul, wherever you are catching Off the Shelf. And if this is your first time tuning in Off the Shelf on this glorious Saturday morning, I want to tell you that you absolutely are listening to the winning literary radio show Off the Shelf. You at the right spot. Welcome, welcome to this Saturday. We already, you guys are in the middle of May. It's May the 16th already. I want to ask you, for our listeners, I hope you have your copy. Those who do, you know what I'm talking about. And those who don't, I hope you go out and get a copy. But how good of a mystery sleuth are you? I love suspense. I actually was watching a suspense movie, but it was it was kind of with a little too much a horror thriller in it for me. But it, those suspense that keep you so tight, you just sitting waiting for the next thing to happen, and sometimes you want to figure out what's going to happen before it's revealed in the movie, the play, in the book, etc. Well, if you're one of those people who love suspense, you love a good mystery, but you also value relationships. You don't want to just a mystery where it's just so much violence. You you like a good, you love relationships. There is a soulmate relationship in this book, Love Pour Over Me, with Raymond and Brenda, and they meet in college. There's also a complicated father and son relationship in the story. Uh, Raymond's father has untreated alcoholism, but he raised him by himself. So he loves his son. If you you can see how these relationships not only change over time as all our relationships do, but how they change the people involved in the relationship and even the people witnessing what's happening in the relationship. If you value friendships, I'm telling you guys, there are five friendships. These five guys meet in college. One of them goes on to play in the NFL. Raymond's on his way to the Olympics. They are doing fabulously in sports, academically, in the community. But there's this murder mystery, and who's involved in this in this mystery? If you like a good mystery and you value relationships, I really would encourage you to stop what you're doing. You can go over to Walmart, you can go over to Amazon, you can go over to you can go over to Barnes and Noble, you can go over to ebook it, et cetera, and get a copy of Love Pour Over Me. If you want a print copy, you can also get a print copy because it's in print or ebook form. I wouldn't wait if I was you to enjoy this good story. Get a copy of Love Pour Over Me by Denise Turney today. Next. We have an awesome author on deck for you this morning. But before we introduce her, I want to leave this thought with you by Bob Marley. Open your eyes. Look within. Are you satisfied with the life you're living? Open your eyes. Look within. Are you satisfied with the life you're living? And now, let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest, 
and special off-the-shelf guest this morning is Judith Welsh. Now, Judith is a retired clinical social, social worker, you guys. I'm sure she knows a whole lot about people. Post-retirement, she spent months reading, and during her reading day, she learned about the Grand Duchess, Tatiana of Russia, and thanks to Judith being on off-the-shelf, I learned a little bit about the Grand Duchess, Tatiana of Russia, and she is a daughter of Russia's last monarch. The Grand Duchess is thought to have been domineering and maternal in her personality. And our off-the-shelf guest this morning, Judith Wells, is we're going to talk about this Grand Duchess, but even more about Miss Judith. She is also a wife, a pet lover, and the author of the books, Last Waltz and All of Me. We are absolutely honored to have Judith join us on Off the Shelf Book Talk Radio this morning. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Judith. Thank you, and thank you for having me, Denise. We are delighted to have you with us. Now, the first few questions I'm going to ask you, Judith, I ask all our guests, and I ask all our guests the same questions so our listeners can get a little bit, just get a little familiar with our guests before we jump right in and start talking about their books. So to kick it off, Judith, could you please tell off-the-shelf listeners where you grew up and what life was like for you growing up? Well, I grew up outside of Boston, and um, being from outside of Boston, a little north of Boston, um, most of my growing up years were, you know, steeped in history um, about the revolution and, and the um, and what happened. But I, we also, I, I grew up in a at the point at that point was a small town, and um, it was. Idyllic. I mean, um, everybody knew everybody else. Uh, we used to ride horseback, and and I mean, we just had a good group of friends and a good group of neighbors, and and we just it was uh, idyllic to say the well, least. you are, and so are you like the only child in your family, or do you have siblings? Oh no, I have two sisters, one older and one younger. And I know what it's like to be in the middle. <laughs> and my father was was an executive, um, and went on to become uh, a very a very um, well known executive. And and he made you know he he left his job of twenty five years and then went and started his own company, which is still oh, going good for today. Him. Yeah, which is still going Good today. For him. And my mother, so. who, she was um, a lovely woman, and she was uh, very active. And now, as a child, what did you, Judith, when you were a kid? You know, when we were kids, we want, we we want we decide what do we, what do I want to be? When, and you, you, I've heard interviews with actors and different people in arts and some people in business, and they knew right away they knew what they wanted to be when they were a kid. And some of them actually became what they wanted to be, and some of them didn't. They were the, Their life went totally opposite of what they thought. When you were a kid, what did you want to be? What did you dream of being when you grew up, when you were a little girl? <laughs> I dreamed of many things. I dreamed of being a cowboy. Um, oh, okay. And... Um, I dreamed of um, becoming an actress until I realized I stank at it. Um, 
but but mainly I was interested in 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 history in um you know I toyed with the idea of archaeology and then you know as life goes on uh, you totally take off in a different direction and which I did and I got my degree in sociology and I worked in the mental health field for a couple years after that before I decided you know to get married and then we went off in a, in another direction and I decided to become a clinical social worker and um, what the, what drew you what drew you to that field and then I want to ask you how that work has impacted your writing because I have two friends who actually they were in social workers for over 20 years and they said after a while that work can be it's so stressful. You go into it to help people, but then you, and then you, you seem like I think there was a doctor who it really impacted her. And you hear people with nurses on the front lines with COVID nineteen. You want to yeah. help people, but when you keep seeing so much need, it can start to feel overwhelming, even as a a person who just wants to help people. But what drew you into to that particular field? Well, after I got out of uh, junior college, um, because, again, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. And um, I started working uh, at uh, an institution for developmentally delayed individuals right at the start of deinstitutionalization. And um, I was there for a couple of years in, in, you know, trying to get people to to understand that that these individuals weren't weren't below us. I mean, they some of them I found to be very intelligent. And others in mainly where I was, it was like a dumping ground for kids for parents who couldn't afford their kids. Wow. And uh, uh. You know, that got to be grueling for me, so I left and, you know, bounced around for a while. And then I came up here to New Hampshire and and settled down. And that's when I decided I wanted to be a clinical social worker. So I could could help. And that's kind of sad that that kids end up in these programs because their parents just figure I don't have the money to raise my child so go out and f- to a y- young young person go out in this big world and you figure it out on your own sorry yeah. I gave birth to you I, I can't take care of you so you go figure right. it out on your own and then you, you see these that is that is really 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 sad and we do have a lot of nets out to try to catch that but mm-hmm. it comes down to each individual as well, well but people who worked in social work tell me the need is so enormous, and if you just walk through your your city, your town, you don't see it. You don't see it. So yeah. it, things look okay to you, but they say, "Oh my God, the need is in every town is overwhelming." I don't care how good you think your city is; it's just overwhelming. The need it's just hidden. It's just hidden. Now, how 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 many years did you serve as a clinical social worker? Judith, and what top three things did you learn about people that strengthens your writing today? Well, I I was a clinical social worker for just about 20, a little over 20 years. 
Bless you. And, I mean, what I learned uh, about people that helps me today is just the resiliency of them. I mean, people, we are resilient people. And um, we each have to, you know, come up with different ways, but, but we do it. And it's it's amazing to me when 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 just when people really figure out okay this is what I have to do and then strive for it. I mean the other thing was is is that you know people aren't broken. They just need to have a. a a place where they can come in and, and figure out things and, and understand where they need to go. And I think the most important thing was is is that, you know, it's incredible it's an incredible feeling when you see one of your uh, one of your individuals just blossom and, mm. and and you know, you had a small you might have had, you had a small part of that. And that that that's what kept me going for a number of years, but as you as your friends say, it's a grueling, grueling job. And at the end, it will end up consuming you, and that's yeah. what happened to me. And that's when yeah. I had a doctor uh, who was treating me at the time just look at me and say, "You got two choices: you either retire." Or die. So I yeah. chose retirement. Yes, Mar, for you, you know, and I, I thank you for the work you did. Just like again, people talk about the people on the front lines of COVID. They may not want to go out there. They know, and I could get, they could get sick and and and, and pass away. But the the need to care for others is so strong in them that they keep going out there. Just hope that we appreciate not just for now, but that we just keep appreciating even when the yeah. COVID-19 is over, what these people are given, not just the the medical, but therapists who are counselors who are working with people. Uh, I just hope that we continue to appreciate it. So that said, thank you for your social work. I, I know you've probably impacted so many people's lives, and I thank you for that. Now, you took time to read. You retired. You took time to read and strengthen your health after you retired. Had you set out, Judith, to read about the Grand Duchess Tatiana of Russia. If not, how how did you learn about her? Because she, you're going way back. We're going back during the very earliest of the of the uh, what the twenty nineteenth twentieth century. How did yeah. did you set out to study about her? If not, how did you stumble upon the Grand Duchess? Well, that's an interesting question. I mean, I've always had um, been interested in history and and in Russian history. I mean, in high school when when you know, I don't know whether they do that. Do it now. Um, I had to write a history thesis uh, over a year in my senior year, and um, you know, I had we had just finished studying Catherine the Great, so I uh, wrote a history paper on her, and uh, she was a Romanov. You know, she was married to um, Peter who was um, a Romanov, and, and I mean, she just, she was an amazing woman, again, and she 
was very progressive and in, in, in did, did things today that did things back then that, you know, she needs to be admired about. Um, and when I retired, I was reading a book. I don't even remember the book I was reading. And I, I uh, typed in, uh, I, had, I was looking for something about what the writer had said, and I typed in, and of course, you know, and, and I don't know what happened, but there, uh, she popped up at me, and I just looked at, looked at her, and I said, I know her, you know, and, and so I clicked on her, and, you know, up she came, and um, I had always, you know, we'd always, always been taught that, that the czar and his family never cared about their countrymen and just danced their lives away. And when I started reading about her, it was like, you know, good heavens. <laughs> she wasn't, you know, she was never like the one. None of them were, were like um, what we've been told for the past hundred years. Wow. And so, you know, we... Yeah, go. No, go ahead. And so... There's always... Um, I um, looked at it and I said, you know, I'm going to sit down and, and start writing about her. And I never had any intention of having, you know, getting the book published. And, um, you know, then a very good friend of mine read it. And I gave her a, a copy of some of, the, some of the chapters I had writ- written. And she said, yeah, this is good. You need to get this published. And um, it—that's where it all began. So just just simple curiosity, and then you—it you, it turns into a novel that we're, we're going to talk about even further on today's show. You know, I'd never even heard of it. I never even heard. I mean, there would really be no reason to, because we're going back so far back yeah. in time. But I was fascinated when I started to read about her and see the pictures of her. But So can you give off-the-shelf listeners an overview of your book, The Last Waltz? Oh. <laughs> what it basically is about uh, is a fictional novel that I wrote uh, around um, Grand Duchess Tatiana and her family. And it's about the different things um, that she did and they all did. I mean, Grand Duchess Tatiana, her mother, Alexandra, and Olga were were surgical nurses. Uh, when and became surgical nurses when the war uh, broke out in Europe. And um, they're not. And I realize. And and again, I'm trying to get how intelligent. Um, she was, and they all were. I mean, these were beautiful, intelligent, highly educated women that spoke several different languages fluently and uh, had such different interests. But, but, but basically, I mean, they did things that normal monarchs at the time didn't do, like become working managers of different charities and raising money for them. I mean, Grand Duchess Tatiana, at the age of 18, became the president of the Russian Red Cross. 
So I wanted to get all of that out and to, and to put her voice out and and let to have people understand that she, she this family was not just a footnote in history. They lived it, and it's not to say different. They didn't make mistakes because they did. And so what I'm doing is in my book is just an overview. Um, is is showing how intelligent and how diligent and religious in um, resilient they they were. And I threw it through the eyes of um, a man who I call Mikhail Malama, but actually there was a Dmitri Malama who uh, was was um, very active as a member. I have to ask you this: How closely? Is or what happens in the book, the last waltz, to real actual historic events? Oh, it works very closely. Um, you know, there was uh, famine, um, disease, and war going on. Um, they were, um, you know, there there were different things that happened with 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 the royal family, with the imperial family, that. Um, that that they did. I mean, not just one, running what they what they uh, call is committees, but but also different things. I mean, they traveled around Russia constantly, um, raising money for the war relief fund for the refugees, um, and and for the vet, for the members of the uh, military and their families who had either been lost or, you know, were so wounded they, they couldn't serve anymore. But the other thing is is that um, they, they were going um, around the country, not only doing this, but interacting with, with people who had been through what it was like to be a refugee. And um, it was in, in, during that time in Russia Excuse me. There was, um, you know, a tremendous food shortage, and uh, you know, Nicholas um, during that time, during the first year of the war, had actually traveled to Moscow to pray at St. Basil's Cathedral, asking for for um, this, asking for for help in in getting through. The war and winning the war, and they also went to other sites. I mean, it's just amazing, you know. And Alexander, I mean, it really happened to her that that people despised her, and and, and uh, she had a very very few uh, friends at the Russian court. And now the story. This story opens in 1970, so we're talking. This this isn't that far back. No, actually, it opened in 1996. Happened. But the actual events, I mean, the, the, go back. So, is that when the uh, story in the in the novel? So 1996. Is that when the story takes place? The bulk of it, or do you actually go back in time in the story? 
Oh, no, we go back in, I go back in time. Um, when the story opens in 1990, you know, in 1996 is when uh, they were able to uh, prove that they had found the imperial family's remains in just outside of Yakutsburg, uh, Russia. And they actually, and they did use um, not only DNA samples from different Romanovs that are still alive today, but Prince Philip, Queen Elizabeth's uh, husband, who was the grandson of Princess Victoria, who was the daughter of, she was the granddaughter of, of Queen Victoria, and they were able, and that's where they were able to trace the, the DNA back through, up through that to realize that yeah, this was the imperial family, and this is, you know, these are their remains. Um, and so I start out in 1996 talking about that, but then um, after the, uh, I think. In the first chapter, that's when I uh, fade out of 1996, and I have my uh, protagonist, protagonist um, Mikhail Malama, tell a story and start telling her story to his grandson, uh, who is next in line for the throne. Mm. Now, can you introduce us to some of these uh, the main characters in the last waltz? What are they like? What are what are the, what are their personalities like? Are any of them really uh, ambitious, or are some of them more um, submissive, or what are what are their personalities like? And and the Grand Duchess, she makes an appearance. Well, she's actually part. Um, she's she's also. Um, a protagonist. I mean, what I did was is, is I had um, Dmitri, uh, yeah, Mikhail uh, had always been in, you know, since he saw her, he had always been in love with her. And um, I, in the book, um, what I do is I bring them together again and they go through um, they go and and they're both very strong personalities and and he is a strong personality, but he's more of a thinker and uh he tries to think through think things through and and do the right thing and where I have her in the beginning is being um, not impulsive but but she has she's Set in a in a direction, and she and as in the real Grand Duchess, she had a love of medicine, and and um, she she was a good surgical nurse, and she strived for that. But you know, she also knew her other duties as Grand Duchess, and um, she she carried those out too. And so I have her doing that, but I have her being a little bit. You know, because in when reading about her, she is at times anxious. So I have the anxiety um, in her. Um, Mikhail's brother Dmitri is uh, a rogue. There's nothing more about it. He's just a rogue, but uh, he's a lovable rogue. 
and you know he <laughs> he impacts. And then I have you know the three other grand duchesses in in Alexei, and their interactions. I mean, and I try and and, and get as close to them as they as I as as I can in writing about them. I mean, they all had strong personalities. I mean. Olga was interested in archaeology and politics, and she wrote, wrote, uh, read every paper she could get her newspaper she could get her hands on, and she um, was a great. She she became a, a great conversationalist, and um, loved nothing better than to have it to be. Now, I certainly and don't want to give this. Oh, go ahead. And, you know, Anastasia is, of course, Anastasia, uh, who was constantly playing practical jokes. And then you have Maria, who was the the angel of the crowd. And, um, in fact, Nicholas once said when she got into trouble, thank God she got into trouble. I was having, a, I was really thinking she was an angel. And Aww. then you have Alexei, who um, is the least known in but I have him learning to become czar, and um, I have him. Um, he's in, he's intelligent, and I have him thinking things through. Um, but he always acquiesces to his father. Now I don't want to give the story away, so I'm kind of on the fence on asking this question. But anybody who does the research on the Grand Duchess of Tatiana, if you go- if you Google it or do a search engine search. She's a, she was a real person, um, even though the book is itself a novel. But uh, Judith yes. Welsh, who we're interviewing here on Off the Shelf, she's a very close. There are a lot of real life events that occurred that are in the book. But why was the royal family murdered, including the Grand Duchess? And when I did my research on her, I got to tell you, I liked her. She was even back in the during the time when she, they actually were here. On um, she just was. She kind of put me in a way a little bit of Princess Diana. She had her own mind. She seemed independent. She wasn't somebody who you were going to tell what to do. So I, when I researched her, I, I found myself like, I, I could like this person. Uh, but why was her family murdered, including the, the Grand Duchess Tatiana? Oh, I have no worry about, you know, it doesn't give anything away in the book. Um, because that was when when I first started writing um, about writing the book, that was one of the things that I was more to my main interest. You know, why did they they murder him? You know, especially in a time where it was totally um, un- inappropriate to murder women and children, which they did. And um, you know, I think and. And I do talk about it in in all of me um, where I first started going where I first start going into it. Um, while I was researching for the book, um, I noticed, um, you know, I, I I wondered about, you know, what would happen if Alexei had succumbed to his uh, hemophilia um, before he uh, had any any children. And um, so I'm like going through, okay, how do I find this out? And then um, I read about what they call is uh, Pauline Law. 
in the Russian Orthodox Church or in the Eastern Orthodox religion as we as it's referred to now. And um I actually found the the law and it said at the very end if um the czar dies without issue then the oldest daughter become without a male heir then the oldest daughter becomes empress and it was like that was my, an aha moment for me because mm. i knew from 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 different documentaries in 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 looking into stalin's life i knew that he had started to be in at between the ages of 16 and 18 hang on a minute he started he was um studying at a seminary before he got kicked out for his anger issues mm. and what do they do with in the first couple of years of the seminary they study orthodox law <coughs> excuse me so he had he actually knew he had to have known that that law existed and so i think that it, he was the one it wasn't i don't think it was vladimir lenin but i think it was actually he was the one that secretly ordered them all executed because he knew that had had any one of them gotten out they could have rallied an army up and and probably you know won won the revolution um as a living banner So, you know, oh my God! I, you know, I have to ask you. We've had a couple of guests on off the shelf over the years, and this is something that these books people don't realize how fascinated the people are with historical fiction, and it sells well. And most historical fiction, the authors don't just uh, take so much freedom with the story that they don't tie it to actual events. Like just listening to you here on off the shelf, it's obvious that you did your research. And th- th- this is something where I where I'll interview authors who've written historical fiction. They're very, very popular. It's that they say the readers, they know stuff to the finite detail. And you wouldn't think s- some people would know this, but I, I interviewed, we had one author on Off the Shelf, and she said she did so much research because readers would come to her and say things like, they didn't have those types of napkins back then. Or they didn't serve that kind of food in that cafe. <laughs> the kind of stuff you and most readers don't pay attention to. But somebody who's really into historical fiction, I mean, the the smallest detail, they're cued in on it. So that said, how much research, Judith, I can just imagine, how much research did you do while you were compiling material for the last waltz? I, I started, I actually, you know, first of all, I love, historic fiction. I mean, I love it. But um I actually started writing and then, you know, I'd come to a place and it, and, it, and I would look, think and go, "Oh, wait a minute, that doesn't sound right." And then I'd go and research it and then come back and and rewrite it. And then, you know, every time I started I would do research, 
there would be another spider web that I would have to follow. And, and you know, when writing about this, I always made it a point bef- that I would write it and then I would go and, and, and find out, you know, what was happening back then. I mean, I I would, you know, inadvertently I would write about a type of food and it was like, um, you know, did they have that type of food back then? Of course, then I'd go back and i research it and go, oh, okay, they did. You know, like um, in the second book, I, I introduced a child protagonist who loves peanut butter. And before I had her loving peanut butter, I followed the lead and said, okay, when was peanut butter introduced? And mm-hmm. And then, you know, Yep, I can use peanut butter. This is when this was happening. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, in other things. I mean, it's it's um you know, I I try to to get it down to the last detail. Sometimes um I found it and other times I didn't and I just had to take a leap of faith. Yeah, you know, and you know there are readers out there. <laughs> There's always a reader, and it's it's funny as an author. Even I don't write historical fiction, but when I do write novels, if I whatever city I set the characters in, I do my research and mm-hmm. research and research. Because the last thing you want is for somebody to tell you that and that's not in that city, or they didn't wear those type of clothes back then. So yeah. you you do you you do as you're writing. You got to make sure if you introduce food, was this food around then, yeah. and make sure because there is a reader out there. Who will tell you back in seventeen whatever because of their their own study and they didn't have that so yeah and then and then your the story might lose some uh, credibility so you do have right. to find yourself but with historical fiction there's a ton of it had you always intended on making the story a series uh, Judith no no I mean it's just like um, I sat down and started writing and I'm still going and um, and it's and it to me it's just been a great adventure and I've learned so much. Um, I never intended it to go as long as it did, um, but I just you know because of the intricate detail that you have to pay, you know things go from being one to to three pages. Um, I know that that in writing the first book first two books, I probably broke every fictional writer guideline that that's ever you know, and 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 I you know, it it sometimes it it, it it's I I draw out something that, that maybe should be told in, in, in a page. I mean, it is a big book and um my editor, Josh Hoops of Hoops Editing and I have now got a very good working relationship, and you know we've decided that in the future, at some point, we're going to go back and revisit both first two books and mm. probably revise them and mm. um, you know make them make them a little bit clearer. But what um, have readers been saying about the last waltz? Oh, I um, some people. Um, have said it's interesting. Um, a lot of people that of 
that I know um, around here that I've given copies to have said that they loved it. Um, I have one who, one person who just finished all of me, and is a um, who was a technical writer for people down for um, professors and, and scientists at MIT. You know, she said she's been enthralled. She was enthralled by it and is now waiting for the, for the next book to come out. <laughs> but that's good feedback. That's good feedback. Now, how soon after you published the last waltz did you start writing on all of me? <clears throat> well, no, actually, the um, the big things big things that happened uh, for me was is just that it was a huge book that I actually split it into two different books. And we should have split it into uh, three different books. Wow. But, um, you know, and, and that's why at the end of Last Waltz, I kind of like drop off. And um, then in all of me, I pick it up. So, you know, it's it's the first book is like a build-up to their marriage. And the second book is, is their subsequent marriage. And, you know, and their feelings and, and, you know, what's going on around them. So what's happening in, so in Miss Tatiana's life? How old is she at the start of All of Me? Are they already married when the book opens? No, 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 no. Uh, she's, uh, I opened it up in 1916, so she was um, 18 she was seven. She was just barely eighteen, and then I bring it up um, when she marries. She's uh, nineteen, and um, because cause, um, and I have her married in nineteen seventeen, just before <laughs> the summer before the revolution. Uh, the you know the revolu you know she's married in june in in nineteen eight nineteen seventeen is is when um the first revolution started where they were arrested now how long have tatiana and M- Mikhail been in love before they before they married well he has always been in love with her from the first day he he saw her um, she he's part of her regiment. She was given a regiment at the age of uh, fourteen, and um, and her sister was also Olga was also, and so they were they always had an interest in the regiments and the in in the and um, they would review the troops troops quite often, and um, even when her regiment was up at the front, Tatiana always kept an interest. And and uh, wrote them and urged them on um, when they were at the front. And um, so, what I do is is, I mean, when she's fourteen, she notices, it, you know, because I have him as a, a fourth lieutenant sitting in the first day of formation for him uh, next to his brother Dimitri, and he catches sight of her. And she's coming down the line, and he holds his breath and uh, starts turning blue. And his and his brother has to lean over and say, "Knock it off, breathe." 
she sees him turning blue. And, you know, she keeps looking back at him. And then when I bring it, when they meet again, you know, of course the flame is still there. And uh, then, you know, he gets permission from the czar to court her, and which he does. And uh, then in the second book, they marry. Um, and it, that was, it was a fun book. I loved reading about Russian weddings back then because it was amazing what they did. They like to party more. <laughs> oh, huge, a huge extravaganza. Oh, yeah. Now, you know, when when I was researching for your interview, this, this is another thing. I really liked Tatiana. There was something about her I really liked. But mm-hmm. this also stood out to me. So could you please tell us about the five-year-old girl who Tatiana and Mikhail befriend? Oh, Raquel. Uh, again, you know it it you know again she's not um i mean she is just um a fun character that that i um came up with and um she's a, a very um intricate she becomes a very intricate part of their lives and um she is a when they first meet her at a refugee camp, uh, she's five years old. And she's had a very uh, rough life. Um, at, when she was born, it was idyllic, and then uh, the war came, and her family farm um, was burnt to the ground, and her mother was, was viciously raped. And... Um, so when when she she and her grandparents leave their home, um, she she has witnessed all of this at the tender age of five. And this is where I bring my clinical point of view um, into focus because um, I noticed when I was doing my research on Alexandra, um, Alexandra. I realized that she suffered from PTSD oh. and depression. And, I mean, so I wanted to start bringing that into the book, and so Raquel was kind of my venue to do that. And um, so, you know, I, I I got to love her so much that um, <laughs> you know, she stays with us. <laughs> And, oh, okay. And, and she becomes um, the glue that uh, binds them together. And, and um, is she just develops so interestingly that that you know I mean I just love her to death. Mm. Now, how safe is it? Uh, when I was doing like the research, it seemed like Tatiana and Mikhail weren't fully aware there's actually a war raging it, 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 it did it shift like that quickly or were they insulated from it well it 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 they weren't you know you know like a lot of people say that the grand duchess was were were insul- were isolated in in from everything and and they really weren't in 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 
the first part, the first book, I don't bring up the war as much as I should have. Uh, but in the second book, it starts coming into focus with, you know, the refugees in 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 with what's going on around them, and I I have them becoming more and more aware, and all the time I have this mystery um, going on about this secret that that is coming into focus, and. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's. I have them in the uh, book that I'm, I'm have editing right now. I have them actually traveling to the front and um, having the war come more to them. I mean, in in I think it's in. Yeah, in last waltz, I have him actually traveling. I have Mikhail actually traveling to the front lines when when it was in Donetsk, in Donetsk, and having him interact, and and you know his his father has been been uh, wounded gravely, and he wasn't expected to make it. So I have him going, and I have him coming coming across a German encampment, um, squad air squadron encampment. And I have them destroying that, and uh, you know, in in how much people had suffered. Mm. You know, because it's not just about the war itself; it's about how the war impacts everybody. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. when you did your research uh, for for the story, and you said you started writing, and you said, "Oh, let me go." But just listening to you, you seem to know quite a bit about the history. How would you say the events of or what happened to the the family have impacted or influenced Russia today? Well, it's it's an interesting thing. I mean, when when they found the found the remains and they were able to identify them, um, uh, Boris Yeltsin was also um, was pre- was president then. And it was interesting because he turned around and and said, "No, we have to honor these people." And they had a uh, and they invited the Romanovs back in to Russia, and they had a huge ceremony in turning them in the Peter and Paul Cathedral in Saint Petersburg. Um, how it's impacted it today, you know, I I know that there's that every year around the time of their death, um, you know, the the Eastern Orthodox Church uh, made them what they call passion bearers, which in in our in which is basically a saint. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, every year on the the night that they were the, from the night the morning because they don't don't know exactly when they were murdered um they have they go to the Eckersburg cathedral that's dedicated to them and they uh a lot of millions and mil- millions of russians across across russia uh, honor them and they have you know in in the priest leaves the Eckersburg church and um 
they walked the seven miles to where uh, they were buried, and millions and millions. In fact, once the regime had communist regime had had fallen, uh, the, there's an interesting story that says uh, that one of the Grand Dukes, who I introduce in the in uh, the third book, uh, who was a live person, who was involved with Rasputin's Rasputin's murder, um, actually had escaped Russia. He had a son, and the son, oddly enough, you know, after uh, the Grand Duke's wife left him and moved to the, because she was an American heiress, um, she moved to New York, moved back with the son, and the son, and his son later uh, became, you know, he he was a U.S. Marine. He fought in the Korea War. He ran a very profitable business, and when he retired, he became member. He he became mayor of Palm Springs, California. Wow. And, yeah, and well, the interesting part is is that during uh, the chaos that 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 happened um, when when the communist regime fell. They had he had monarchists seek him out and and asked him literally asked him to uh become the next star. And um after the after he finished laughing he said, Sorry boys I'm not ready to give up my day job yet. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's how it impacts. I mean, and I think more and more, you know, people are starting to realize that these lies, that these people weren't just a footnote in history. They were making history. Wow. And, Interesting. Um, and you and you you're you're helping to introduce them to so many people who might not have otherwise have learned about them. Now, we have just about seven minutes left in the day's show. Uh, yes. I definitely want to talk a little bit about about the book writing, the in general book writing and book marketing, but I definitely want to ask you this as a writer. The fact that you worked for over 20 years as a clinical social worker, does that help you dig deeper into the makings of a character so you can help does it make it easier for you to develop a multi-dimensional character? Yeah, yeah, I think it did. I think it did. And and you know, it was the, you know, using historical figures. Um I was able to do the research and in, in in put forward, you know, that you know, them as a multifaceted dimensional character. And that's what I tried for. And um you know, we each have our own quirks, and um, you know, I I tried to look at different people that I'd known throughout my life, and 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 put their particular quirk where it belonged. And um, as a mental health worker, I was able to look at it more through a clinical lens, and in yeah. helping helping to deal with it. Because you know that that is, I think, even more than the plot. Certainly, you're de- when you're dealing with historical fiction, the plot 
you can create a, a, a plot twist, but you also have a lot of actual history that can serve mm-hmm. as a, a really good foundation or a back backdrop. But still, what readers love the most, if they don't care about the character, if they don't care, I don't care what happens to these characters, I don't yeah. care, like you were talking about the little five-year-old that Mikhail and Tatiana meet, who you still adore, uh, mm-hmm. If they don't care about the character and they don't feel a connection, it's hard to keep a reader interested, whether you're writing a standalone book, a standalone book or a series book. Yeah. So that's why I would think that your your clinical social work, you can dig a little deeper into the inner workings of the human mind and maybe make these characters that are so fascinating that people want to know what's going to happen next. What's right. going to happen next to Tatiana? What's going to happen next to Macau? Now, can you share... Uh, three to four steps that you've found effective at getting the word out about your books, Judith? Well, um, you know, I I went with Outskirts Press, and I can't say enough of them. Um, they literally took me by the hand and led me through, you know, through the process. And, uh, you know, I, I still work with them today, and, and we're working on a website right now that's, that hopefully will be up by the end of the week. Um, and, you know, I have a marketing director who, a marketing manager who just is a marvelous person. And, you know, she's put out feelers and she's, and, you know, she's she's gotten people interested. And uh, I can't say enough for her. And, and you know, they, the whole team has just been, so valuable to me, you know, because I had no idea what was involved. And, um, you know, even today, I mean, I, I can't say enough that how much I've learned and how much I continue to learn. I mean, my editor has taken me by the hand and said, no, you don't do this. Here's what you need to do. And he sent me articles and he's taught me. And he's made me read fictional writing books, <laughs> and um, it's been valuable to me because I've learned so much, and I'm still enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing. And I think we do continue to develop and sharpen our craft uh, as artists, regardless of the art. Now, with just two minutes left in today's show, can you tell off-the-shelf listeners where they can get a copy of your books, The Last Waltz and All of oh. Me? Well, it's on um both are on Amazon. And um they're both in ebook and in hardcover. Uh you can go to Outskirts Press. Uh and they have copies for sale. Um and it's also on Barnes and Nobles in okay. ebook form. Are you on any social media networks? If so, can you tell our listeners where they can find you on social media? Uh, right now, we're in the middle of doing um, a uh, my own website, and I'm also on Facebook. And um, I have it's it's under Last Waltz or All of Me, and both books will pop up. and And I have a number of people that are interested and have have um, you know I'm. They know that they can ask me questions, and I will answer them to the best of my ability. 
Thank you so much. We have been so honored. I'm, I really enjoy researching for today's show. I had no idea about this family till I started researching for Judith Welsh's, and I really, really liked Tatiana. I really liked her. And so we have had the pleasure of having Miss Judith Welsh with us. She is a retired clinical social worker, and thank you again for your service as a social worker. That is no easy job. And so after she retired, she spent months reading, and that's where she learned about the Grand Duchess, Tatiana of Russia, a daughter of Russia's last monarch. And this is, these historical stories are in her novels, The Last Waltz, and all of me, and encourage you to support Judith Welsh. And that website, she said she's hoping, or I would give you the URL, she said she's hoping it will be ready um, by the end of this this week or this coming week. This so coming look forward week. to that. Thank you, thank you, Judith, and to each of our off-the-shelf listeners, those who tune in live. There's so many ways people catch this show. So thank you for all the tune in. We get listeners from all over the world. And for those who came in midstream or late, you can uh, when the show finishes streaming, you can go back and listen to it it's in its entirety in the archives. As I always tell you guys, you are awesome. You are amazing. You are incredible. Go out and create a fabulous day for yourself. Thank you so much, Judith. I'll see you back here next Saturday off the shelf, listeners, at 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Judith, I'll shoot you an email. Bye for now. Thank you. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.